this is Dr. Amber Lida in the podcast, Hope That Helped. Here's where we take lessons from our own lives and from my life as a clinical psychologist and distill those down into the little things that I found make a really big difference. I hope that it helps you. Are you pretty clear about the kind of relationship you would like to have? No, that you would love to have, but instead you find yourself with a different partner, but the same problems over and over and over again. It's really hard not to start thinking that we're the problem when that kind of thing happens, right? Because the consistent thing is us. So I wanted to share with you a little bit of theory about why we end up with the same person, same problem, even when it's a different partner. Ready? Okay, here we go. It's a little difficult to explain, and I hope it's really clear on the other side of this little podcast. But if not, please do ask questions and I'll come back and follow up with you. Or you can join my Facebook page, Dr. Amber Lida, and pop some questions over there. I'm happy to answer them for you. So here's the idea. There are three ways that we repeat patterns in our relationships. And they're not all your fault. Hallelujah. So the first one is that, um, well, actually, let me step back and give a little bit of history. So remember that as we're moving through life, we're picking up lessons and we're developing our models for what relationships are supposed to be like. So none of us gets out of childhood unscathed. We learned great lessons and sometimes we learn crappy lessons. Regardless, we're bringing it all in and it starts to serve as an emotional and relational template for what we're going to experience later in life. So I'm just gonna focus a little on the negative side here because that's probably what you're listening to learn about, right? When things are going great, you're not listening to a podcast about how to make them better, usually. So here's the deal. Let's say, for example, the relationship problem you find yourself eternally having is that you end up with hypercritical partners. So if our emotional template is that we've grown up in a particularly critical family, we come to expect that in our relationships. And here's how that messes us up in three ways. The first is that we have developed a very high tolerance for criticism. We've grown up with it our whole lives. So when a hypercritical person comes into our lives, we don't even recognize them as being hypercritical. They just seem normal to us. So whereas other people would have perhaps um, naturally pushed that person out of their lives early because they haven't developed a high tolerance for criticism, we might not because we're not even noticing that they're being critical yet. We're so used to it. And so we, we end up not filtering those people out the way that most other people would have. So the way that that translates into, into this theory is that we can become a magnet for exactly the people that we grew up with, or in this case, the people that we grew up with that we don't wanna have in our actual lives. And it's not because you're bad, it's just because you're used to it. So you don't notice it early enough to filter them out. So when I talk about being a magnet, what I really mean is that you have a very high tolerance. So you might not notice that they're one of those sorts of people until it's so late in the game 
that you can't miss how hypercritical they are. And then you're like, what the heck? I'm in, I'm with the same person all over again. The second way is that perhaps you have people in your life who are like totally balanced. They're right in between being like helpfully critical and hypercritical. But because you're so used to hypercriticalness, when they're not giving it to you, sometimes you unconsciously do things to elicit it from these otherwise neutral people. So maybe it's like really innocuous things like asking for lots of feedback. You know, tell me if I'm doing it right. Does this seem right? I'm not sure if I've got this exactly on point. Could you take a look at it? And then we're sort of surprised by the level of feedback and criticism that we get. So we can elicit it from otherwise neutral people and they can just become habituated to that being what we expect from them, right? So that's the second way we can end up with the same crap from our childhood in our current lives when we don't even want it. The third way happens much less often, but it can happen, which is that you have a completely healthy, non-critical, super supportive person in front of you, but because you're so used to criticism, and perhaps because you have had to develop a high alert system for criticism, you see it even when it's not actually there. So you misinterpret it or um, the lens that you bring to the table skews what's really going on. It's sort of like a smoke detector that's on hyper alert and going off just when maybe you're burning something on the stove, but there's not an actual fire. So it's alerting you to the potential for criticism and you're not able to discriminate between critical and not critical. So those are the three ways that we can end up in the same situation from our childhood that we're trying to escape. Let me know if those three things make sense to you. And probably not a great idea to start disclosing the reasons why they make sense to you on the internet, right? Because it's not secure and private. But it'd be a really cool thing for you to reflect on internally, maybe journal about and see what really strikes you. And probably there are people in each category for you in your life, but you'll notice a trend where more people fall into one category than others. And sometimes you need an outside perspective to be able to tell what category people are falling into. And that's where having a therapist can be super helpful. I hope that helped. And I hope that you end up having a great day.